If you would, if you would stand with me, I'm going to read uh, our passage, our text from Scripture together today. Um, this is something that we've been doing for a number of months together as we've been teaching through uh, the book of Luke. And uh, we are in chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to read from verses 27, from verse 27 through verse 36. And then when I'm done, uh, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and then we together say thanks be to God. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. And as you do, I'm going to invite you to, to pray with me. God, we, we acknowledge that you are here and that this is your time. We declare you as a good and faithful God. We declare you as the one who is the creator of all, the one who has demonstrated, defined, and models what love is for your creation, for all of humanity. We, we declare you in this place as the one who is all-powerful, just, and yet full of mercy and forgiveness and grace to each and to every one of us. And Holy Spirit, we need you to work and move right now. As we hear these words of Jesus, as we know that you are present here as we know you are powerful, we ask you to move and work and to, to change who we are and to shape us and form us and mold us more into Jesus. And Jesus, in this place and in this time and in our minds and in our hearts, would you speak? And would we not just comprehend, but would we embrace and be transformed by your truth and your calling and invitation into each of our lives? Would we be different people because we know you and love you more. In all this, we ask you to, to speak and work right now in your name. Amen. Uh, about three years ago, I uh, started hearing about something and seeing commercials for something uh, called the uh, Impossible Whopper. Uh, there's a, uh, 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 a place a lot of places called Burger King, and they serve Whoppers and have for some time, and then they began serving an Impossible Whopper. 
And an Impossible Whopper is a, uh, a burger that's not a burger, it's a burger with a patty that's made from plant-based material. Uh, a, a company called Impossible Foods Incorporated that started about 11, 12 years ago um, started researching at the molecular level um, animal proteins. And, and what they did is they researched there, they found out you know, what caused the taste and, and provided the protein, the nutrients, and then they began finding replacements in plant-based material that could replace the animal proteins so that things that we usually uh, eat that have meat in them could be replaced with plant-based products. And they titled their company Impossible Foods Incorporated. I have never consumed an Impossible Whopper. I have never consumed an Impossible Foods Incorporated meat product or plant-based meat replacement product, uh, at least knowingly, um, ever. Um, but I have seen commercials where some people have consumed Impossible Whoppers, and it's been a very pleasant experience for them. As they eat them, their faces light up and they can't, their disbelief thinking it's really meat, but it's not. It's plant-based meat replacement products and, and burgers. And they're very, very happy about this. And I'm watching this and going, it's an impossible Whopper, but it's not impossible. It, it's actually happening. I mean, it's not quite a burger. It's, it's, it's you know, plant-based replacement, but it, it's working and they're eating it and it tastes like meat and it's providing the similar, if not the same nutrients for it. It's not impossible, it's actually happening. So because we have Impossible Whoppers and Impossible Foods Incorporated, I'm not sure we fully appreciate the term impossible anymore because it seems like it's actually kind of possible. I just read for us and we just listened together and many, many of us has probably read it before, verses that represent Jesus' words calling us to live and be a certain kind of person in our world today. And when he spoke it 2,000 years ago, he was fully aware of what our lives would look like today. And to me, it all just seems impossible. Like, I, I don't know how this happens. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to, to hear this, read this, understand it, comprehend it, and then go out and, and live it out in any sense of consistency. It seems impossible. And so we're gonna talk through and learn through and read and hear and hopefully em embrace in some new way today some things that Jesus invites and calls us to that are impossible. And there are two ingredients that help us have a chance of living out an impossible calling. And those two things are mercy and power. And we're going to get to those at the very end. But I want us to first look and read these words again of this ethical kind of life, this way of living as a human being in the world today that to me at least seems impossible. I want to back up and read a few verses that... that that Adam read last week because they're the intro verses to both last week, this week, and the next three weeks that we'll spend together because this section of the book of Luke is called the Sermon on the Plain, meaning a, a flat area, the Sermon on the Plain. And it's very, very similar and it overlaps a lot with what we read in Matthew as the Sermon on the Mount, a high place. But Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain is a lot of overlapping the same things. And here's the intro verses. It's, it's a, about 10 verses earlier. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 17, 18, and 19. He went down with them and stood on a level place or a plain, a field. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured 
And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Jesus is on a field, a, a level place, a, a, a plain, Sermon on the Plain, Sermon in the Field. And all of these people from all these regions around have come, and there's this huge crowd, and they all want to get to Jesus. And the reason is, is because he, in, in, in the physical moment that they experience him, he's changing their lives, he's healing them. Some have had an unclean or an evil, impure, wicked spirit that they've been demon-possessed, and then people are watching demons leave people and then being freed from that possession or oppression. The people who have, have illnesses and have been defined by that, that's been their life, have been radically transformed in that moment, being able to walk, being able to see, leprosy leaving them, being healed and whole. That Jesus is doing this. He's doing these supernatural miracles in their presence, and they can see that there's a power that is in and through Jesus that is unlike anything they've experienced before. And so they're clamoring to get close to him and be changed because Jesus is unlike anybody they've ever heard of or experienced before. And in that moment, Jesus is also talking. He's teaching in that moment. Now, maybe a lot of people could hear him, maybe only his disciples could hear him and, and actually know. They said, oh, we've seen these things before, but we wanna hear his words, what he's saying. And the truth is that Jesus would travel around and he talked about something more than anything else. He talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else. And he was, he was this teacher, preacher, prophet, traveling around Israel at the time, talking about the kingdom of God. And he's saying, there is this different kind of world. There's this different kind of existence. There's this different kind of being a human right here and now than what is currently going on. He said at one point, it's, it's at hand, it's, it's near. It's not fully here yet, it hasn't taken over. Not everyone is experiencing this kingdom. But Jesus is saying, I'm embodying it, I'm inviting you to embody it more like me, more like me, more like me, the kingdom, the kingdom, over and over. And he's saying, it, it's coming more and more. This is a demonstration of it. And so he's talking and teaching about it. And we talked about that last week, blessings and woes, and then we pick up with what I think is this impossible call. And he says this, he starts and there's a, he says, but to you who are listening, I say these things, but to you who are listening. So some of you are excited and you're running home because you just got curative leprosy and you can't wait to tell the rest of your family, so you're out of here. And some of you are just waiting to get closer to me. Some of you are talking about something else and you're, maybe you're fighting in line. But to those of you that are listening to me, after I got through all the blessings and all the woes, maybe you stopped listening because the, the blessings seem to bless people that, that, that's not who seems blessed in this world. And the woes seem to be telling me not to experience things that the world tells me are good things. And so the blessing and the woes seem a little mysterious. I'm not sure I'm tracking with you. But to those who are still listening to what I say, I'm gonna say some more things. And so his disciples for sure were listening and some others of the crowd were listening. And then he goes on to list these things. Love your enemies. Okay. Love your enemies. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna real try to do it. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel, I'm gonna feel some love for my enemies. Maybe. I'll, I think, I think I can wrap my mind around that one a little bit. But then he goes on, and he says this: Do good to those who hate you. I was much more comfortable telling people that I was feeling a sense of love for enemies without having to do anything. But if I have to do good to those who I know hate me, and then if I have to go on, and then the next thing he says is, and bless those who curse you, like somebody who's taken an active role in causing me harm, you want me to, to bless them. Like not just not be mean to them, but to bless them. 
And then, and then the last one of this, this part is to, to pray for those who mistreat you. Okay, um, as I've been reading these the last couple weeks and, and reflecting on them and studying them, uh, I realized what these feel like to me. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, uh, bless those who curse you, and uh, pray for those who, who mistreat you. This to me feels like like Ben Kenobi waving his two fingers and saying, these are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> I don't know if you know that scene in one of the best movies ever made, A New Hope, Star Wars. <laughs> these are not the droids you're looking for. L- love your enemies. Oh, okay. Like, I, I actually need Ben Kenobi to show up and, and do that mind Jedi trick to me so that I can do this. Because when you tell me to love my enemies, everything in me and a visceral level says, I don't want to do that. In fact, one thought I had was to, to just throw these, these four things up there and just go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cross out the ones that I don't like and I don't, I don't think I'm very good at, and there, there just wouldn't be anything left. Like, love your enemies. I'm not very good at that. Like, I don't wake up and go, oh, this is just one of the natural abilities that I have I can do that I don't have to work very hard at. Do good to those who hate you. I do bad to those who hate me. Bless those who curse you. If somebody curses me, do you want to know? My mind goes into like a higher level of formulating sentences and recalling words and putting them in an order where I can make that person feel really bad and me feel really good. Bless those who curse you? That, that's, a, that's a skill that I need downloaded that I don't have. Pray for those who mistreat you. No, I, I pray. I want to pray that they feel the pain that I feel. That seems natural to me. That's what would be possible for me. This seems impossible. I don't know how to do those. This needs, I need something more in order to do. In fact, if I just begin thinking about those, or if you begin thinking about these, and, and, and drop into like daily experiences that you have, and I, I, I'm just gonna tell you for me, when I read these, I immediately go to driving. When I am driving, I fail all of these like with a, like a single digit percentage like range. Bless those who, I, I just, I, I, actually, I'm gonna, tell you, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a success story that I had while driving. I drove home in a normal way one night, um, which is probably slightly faster than some of you and recommended, but that's normal for me. I drove home, I didn't, I didn't cut off anyone, um, I was, a, I was a kind driver, maybe a little on the fast side, slash impatient side. I wanted to be home. I pull off, I'm at the stoplight, waiting to get onto the street off the off-ramp, and I had a car that uh, pulled up to the side of me and rolled down their window and was saying something to me. This is, this is not the sidewalk, but this is the sidewalk and then some dirt and grass, and they have pulled up onto the sidewalk, onto the dirt and grass. And so I look at them and they're, they're talking to me, and I thought, you're on, like, there's an emergency here, you need some help. So I rolled down my window. I cannot repeat what they said and return up here next week. So they said things to me, and I looked at them, and I didn't blink, I mean, it was complete nonsense. Like I had, I had almost run them off the road, which wasn't true, I don't, I don't, I still don't, it was, it was at night and I, I don't know, they might mistake my car for another car. I, without blinking, I, 
I just push the window up button. And... <laughs> now, I need to, t- to me, that's like the Holy Spirit showing up and me kind of somewhat embracing some of this. If somebody who's cursing me, I actually didn't curse them back. I did not bless them, but I did not curse them. So I, I like, that's maybe like, a, I zeroed out on that one, okay? I, like, I don't know, I don't even know what that would look like. You are wonderful. May you have a good rest of your drive home. I don't know what that would have even looked like. Like, I would have needed some help in that moment to say what a blessing would have looked like. Like, we're not designed for this. There's very, very few of us that read this and go, oh my gosh, I'm killing it at that. Every time someone mistreats me, I just return kindness upon kindness. This is like living in a different world. Our world is designed and orchestrated and really developed and really good at cursing those who curse us, of returning mistreatment for getting even. That's our world. Jesus is saying there's another world that's like really close to this, but completely impossibly different than this, and this is what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to be a completely foreign person in this familiar world. That's what you're called to. And so what it takes is a willingness to say, I'm gonna put energy into when I encounter these things that somebody curses me or offends me or mistreats me or who is my enemy. I'm gonna look at that space and I'm gonna say, I'm willing to give up some territory here. In the economy of this world, where we are just born ready to defend our pride, where we are like just natural, it just comes naturally that we know how to get more than we know how to give. And we say, I'm, I'm actually gonna give up some territory in this world and be a foreigner and be somebody different. And so then when somebody offends me, I'm not gonna look to get that back right away. I'm gonna allow that to be their space, and they've taken over that much more. And that's, that's wild. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different kind of living. That stands out as distinct in this world. I read this phrase this week that I, I think it, it's so helpful because it kind of stings the ears a little bit. About these verses, I read this phrase. This is like, when it comes to loving your enemies, this is trusting God to destroy them. That doesn't sound right, does it? Trusting God to destroy them in the best way possible by making them your friends. We've made very few friends by giving back what we were given. I mean, that works sometimes. We'll find somebody that's like, oh, okay, I, I gave it to you pretty hard, and you, you, know, you, you matched me back. Like, I can respect like that, that. I get that. But in general, when somebody insults us, and we return that, we might protect our territory, but we, we haven't built any sense of trust, relationship, appreciation, care. We haven't extended any kindness. But when we say, yeah, I'm not gonna return that. I'm not gonna try to regain what you've tried to take from me. 
what happens is we're actually trusting that there's something more going on here than just my pride and what I have. We're trusting that God's in control of all of it and that we're trusting that he would actually destroy the enemy in that person and transform them into a friend. And when we do something as impossible as blessing somebody when they curse us, we give God a little more territory to work and change that person from an enemy into a friend. Jesus goes on and he says, he says this, he, he, he layers on and he gets a little more specific. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. He just gets really specific. The, the, the cheek thing, if you don't know this, is, it's just a, it's a, like to us, it, we, would talk, we would talk about that as assault in our culture. It was an offense. It was an insult in, in the first century. Like that's a way to insult. It's not necessarily the physical pain or the, the amount of force behind the slap. That's not what, it was just the fact that a, that a slap happened. It was this, this social significant insult to another person. And they're saying, if you're going to insult me, I'll, I'll give you a chance to do the other side as well. It wasn't physical abuse or harming them necessarily. If someone takes your coat, in that culture, in that time, it like, in, in, there's places in the Old Testament and uh, Deuteronomy, I think it's also in Exodus and Leviticus as well, there's, there's, there's commands that you don't, you cannot take somebody's coat. And, and Jesus all of a sudden flips that and says, if someone does take your coat, give them their shirt as well. Like your outer coat, somebody takes that from you or needs it and then you actually give them the other thing that you're wearing as well. Give to everyone who asks and if someone... If they take something that belongs to you, don't, don't demand it back. Like that, that, just, that doesn't make sense in our economy, does it? I mean, for some of us, not all of us, but for some of us, we're calculating the actual price of what that would take to replace. And the, like the injustice of somebody, if you take my stuff, I'm gonna want it back. And Jesus is saying this impossible thing, like don't, don't demand it back. The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do to you. I, I don't know how much you abide by this. I don't know how much you're familiar with it. Um, I don't know if you even knew that that was Jesus' words. But as Jesus said that, it wouldn't have appeared entirely new to those who were listening still. As Jesus said that, they would have said, wait, that, that kind of sounds familiar. About 10 years earlier, a rabbi said it, and he wasn't the first to say it, but he said it in the kind of one of the best ways I think that sticks, sticks with him is he said this. Uh, he said, whatever is hateful to you, don't do it to anyone else. Whatever is hateful to you, don't do it to anyone else, okay? So then Jesus comes up and he says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Like that kind of sounds similar, right? But no, it's, it's, like radically, it's like radically different. What is hateful to you, don't do to someone else. So uh, just if we could step into the first century for a moment and um, you have a goat, probably. And your neighbor is looking at you and going, there's a goat. Like, what would be hateful is to, is to steal the goat. Or what would be hateful is to, like, poison the goat. Or what would be hateful is to, like, hide in your yard and shoot the goat from your... I, I don't know. Like, some, some offense to the, the goat that cost you in some way. Like, those are all hateful things. Don't do that. So, then you walk around with your family and your friends and your neighborhood and you go, do you want to know how loving I am? I have not poisoned my neighbor's goat this week. That is, 
that is how loving I am. Am I not an amazing person? Am I not living in a completely different world that's invading this one and transforming? No, you're not doing anything. Like you didn't break the law. Congratulations on you. Pat yourself on the back. Like that's not a big deal. Jesus completely transforms that and he flips it upside down. And he says, no, actively take energy, time, intention in a way that involves sacrifice to you of maybe your possessions, but certainly your time, energy, and attention, and to give that to others in a way that you would welcome it be given back to you. Oh, that is completely and totally different than don't do something hateful to somebody that you wouldn't want them to do to you. The negative versus the positive is completely different. And Jesus introduces this and he says this, do unto others. So imagine this scene again. <laughs> Jesus is actively like, like healing people and he's talking while he's doing it. And he says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And this will cost you. We talked a few weeks ago on Resurrection Sunday about how much God loves each and every one of us. And love not in a sense of like it's in his heart and he tells you how he feels but in a way that, that costs him something. And the greatest demonstration is, a, is an act of sacrifice. And that Jesus laid down his life and sacrificed his life in an intentional, costly, painful manner. And he invites us today to, to love our neighbors by blessing them and letting them borrow stuff and not being such a stickler about it, about doing things that don't make sense in the economy of this world so that we can have an, a moment to glimpse a little bit of light of another world that we all long for and wish could be but seems impossible. And the truth is that the only way that, that we can participate in this at all is that we're trusting that God is in control of all of it already. Because if we're in control of it, we're gonna measure a whole lot and track a whole lot and be really concerned about our territory. But if it all belongs to God anyways, we have an opportunity, we have a chance to model and step into a very different kind of way of living and interacting with those who are our enemies. And we live in a time and a world where unfortunately, and it grieves us to admit this, to say that those who wear the name of Christ, who those are known as Christians, our reputation consistently seems to be in the tank because there are others who bear the name of Christian who don't even care that these words are written or aspire to live by them in any way or fashion. And they're constantly worried about their territory and their rights and their possessions and their economy, all of which fit in the realm of this world and are not part of the kingdom that Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to embody this in the here and now. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that 
to you. Even sinners do that. Everyone in the world does that. That's natural. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. If you do this, you'll be more like Jesus. What God does is he is kind to those who are ungrateful. Word literally means thankless, who don't say thank you, who don't acknowledge what God gives them. And wicked or evil. These aren't people who are unfriendly. These are people who are enemies. We can all picture someone who's a little unfriendly and go, I can start with them, and that's a great place to start. But these are the people who are against or evil. Here's the, here's the two things that it takes. The last verse says this, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Um, I, I wonder if, if mercy and being merciful is a little bit like compassion today. We use compassion all the time. We use it all the time, we hear it all the time. I'm not sure that we really understand what compassion is. But compassion means to literally to suffer with. If we're to be honest, we use the word compassion and we don't mean that we're gonna suffer with somebody. We, we mean that we might have nice feeling towards them or it would be nice if somebody would be a little more kind or something like that. Merciful and mercy is, is kinda like that. We might not be really clear on what it means and so I wanna be really clear on what mercy means today because it, this section ends with it, and if we're called to do something impossible and it ends with this, I think it would help us to understand what it means. Grace and mercy are two different things. Grace is, is, is this. Grace is an undeserved gift. It's, it's getting what you don't, don't deserve. Uh, it's, uh, it's earning a D and getting an A. It's a simple, simple way to say it. It's a... Uh, um, when God extends grace to us in the personal work of Jesus, he's saying, you can't earn this on your own. I'm gonna give this to you. You don't deserve it, but I'm gonna give it to you. Mercy. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. It shows up in a, in a courtroom setting very often. That's where we would want it to show up. It does not show up there very often. It's where most literally would want it to show up. I've been judged guilty of something and I don't get what I do deserve. Withhold punishment. That's mercy. Jesus ends this section by pointing to his Father, who is merciful, and then calling you and I to be merciful. Because we can't extend grace to our enemies until we're willing to be merciful to them. Because when somebody curses us, they deserve something in return. And it's impossible to extend a blessing to somebody if we're not even willing to say, I'm not going to give you back equally what you deserve. If you curse me, you deserve something back. You've earned a penalty for that. If I lend something to you and you lose it, you've earned a debt that you owe me, but I'm not going to charge you for that. If we're willing to say, God, make me merciful, 
God, make me merciful. Holy Spirit, transform my heart and mind and make me merciful so that I can have an opportunity to be graceful, so that I can actually give to somebody what they don't deserve. I can't do that if I'm not willing to be merciful. And so the call is, gosh, God has been merciful to me. All of these things that we just read about, you know the beauty of all of it? As impossible as it seems, Jesus models all of it for us. He's demonstrated all of it for us. He's blessed those who cursed him, those who have mistreated him and crucified him. He asked for forgiveness for them. He gave everything he had to those and didn't expect it in return. He's done all of this for us. And now he says, come and follow in my footsteps. It'll look a little different for you in your world at your time and the opportunities that you have. But be like me in these ways. Embody and demonstrate this other realm, this kingdom that's coming and bring it more and more into this world. And be merciful. That's the first ingredient we need. The second one is power. I want to read these verses to you again that we started with. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there with a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal regions of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, and this is why. Because power was coming from him and healing them all. I joked earlier that I need Ben Kenobi to like wave his fingers and change what I'm seeing and thinking. And that's silly because he's a made up character. What we do need is a power that we don't have to do something that's impossible in the world today. Under our own power, we can't do that. And so there's no amount of explaining or comprehending or understanding or being able to articulate these callings that actually changes me and you. We, in our own power, can't even make ourselves merciful. It takes God working in and through us. It takes us being open to the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts, to be able to allow us to be and do things that we can't do on our own. And so I want to invite you to do this as we go to communion. I want to invite you to either pray on your own, to pray with those that you go to the communion table with, or to go to somebody else that we've got a few folks that are just available. Um, Adam's gonna be over here. Um, Howard's gonna be over there. Um, I'll, I'll be over here. Kim's gonna be up front here. Um, if you're in the balcony, Matt is gonna be over here. Um, he leads our, a lot of our middle school students, but if you're not a middle school student, Matt can still pray for you, I promise. Let's do this. Let's actually say, God, I, I need you to work in a way of me that is beyond myself. I can't do this on myself. I, I, I need you, God, to, to empower me to do something I can't do. And by walking to another person and just saying, would you, would you pray that God would make me a merciful person so that I could be one that loves my enemies? I don't know that I could ever do this without this. Jesus, we declare you as the one who has already done all of this in front of us, that you have loved your enemies. You loved us when we were your enemies. You blessed those who cursed you. You gave up everything for us. You made what is impossible possible, and we need you to do it again today for us. And so would you make us into these kind of people? Would you transform us today? And as we come to your table, would you remind us again, heal us again, transform us again, as we remember your body broken and your blood shed. We pray this in your name.
Amen. We're going to sing. If you're in the room, you can come to the tables or to someone to pray for you. If you're online, uh, hopefully you've got communion elements with you. Uh, but there's also a button there, and there's a team of folks that are ready to pray for you as well. Let's pray together. Let's go to the table together. Let's sing together.